Hello and welcome to the Listics AFL podcast. I'm your host, John Van Norden, and we're here to pull apart another AFL playing list. We're here to pull apart Fremantle this week, analyse the key list indicators, and determine what they're missing and what moves they should be making in the offseason. As always, I'm here with my beautiful co-host, Sean Lewis. Sean, how are you doing this weekend, mate? Yep, doing very well, thanks, John. Appreciate the the beautiful comment. I think I've I've got a face for radio, mate. (laughs) No, you're a beautiful man, and we love you. We're here to review, as we said, Fremantle this week, um, and it's a it's a good time to review them, given that their list manager Brad Lloyd has just taken the head of football role at Carlton. So there's obviously going to be some changes there. It'd be really interesting to see how their list is shaping up because. They've been an interesting list for a while, being a premiership contender probably four or five years back with what looked like a very strong list, but they they really never recruited the key position players like we thought they might. Yeah, they've done a good job with their recruiting. I mean, obviously everyone everyone knows about the, the Nat Five pick and they've managed to pick up Lockie Neal and Michael Walters and that kind of stuff. They've also been pretty good with the trades. Um, they've got Nathan Wilson and... Um, Brad Hill and these kind of guys in, um, which has been very good. But yeah, they've always been struggling to to get that key position forward. I mean, they've had a few cracks at it. They got Cam McCarthy um, from GWS a couple of years ago. In my eyes, he's more of a a, a kind of a third forward, not really a, a big key position, or he definitely can't be the number one forward. So they they really are lacking that one key focus, and it's not for a lack of trying. I mean, it goes back as far as probably goes further but you know they had a fair they thought they had Mitch Clark over the line um, many years ago they've had a crack at Jesse Hogan I'm sure they've had a crack at a few others as well but yeah they really need to address that that singular key forward um, as their probably biggest list efficiency based on what I see. Yeah well just taking a look at the depth chart uh, they have three key forwards uh, 11 general forwards 12 midfielders five rucks eight general defenders, and five key defenders. And I guess that's something that we always speculated. There would always be speculation before a draft that Fremantle were going to take uh, the second available key forward, pretty much because they would never have a high enough pick to get the first one. But they would always end up drafting uh, midfielders, and that even happened when Lockie Weller was taken with pick 13, which, of course, ended up being a great thing for them, given that they were able to extract pick two last year. But it was still... um, It's still... It does, it does eventually come back to buyer. Yeah, it does. But I mean, I guess if they've if they've structured their payments right, you can always pay to bring in a key forward. I think the the biggest one that kind of hurts them is that obviously being in Western Australia, so it's probably a bit easier to attract your you know the West Australian boys back. Um, but it's it's not as easy to draw the, a Victorian or a, or a um, Queensland or a New South Wel- Welshman across. Yep. Um, so in that way, they've probably they've probably really not quite been able to lure that that player across. I mean, that said, you know, amongst those three key forwards, they've got a uh, Michael Apness, who's been on the list for three or four, uh, four years, I think now. Yeah. Um, and like, I mean, he's is a, I mean, he's a ruck forward hybrid, um, and I'm sure they would love it if he had come along a bit better and. Matty Tabernard's also on there, um, who's showed some promising. He's kicked four or five goals in a game before and just has never really, um, apart from the odd flashes, has never really hit the level. So it, it's not it's not entirely like they haven't been trying. Um, it's just, yeah, they just haven't been able to get their hands on a, on a Jesse Hogan, who I think would be ideal for them, really. 
Yep. No, I agree, mate. And that you're right. Agnes has had a couple of games this year where he's looked like he could be up to the level. He's just unfortunately injured himself and taken himself back out of the side. And it's it's not like the players that they've been bringing in haven't been um, good additions to the side as well. Like last year, being able to get two, obviously, and bring in Brayshaw, who uh, you know that I think that two was potentially a little high for Brayshaw. Um, uh, probably most people would think differently, but just that that real. Um, top end of his capabilities wasn't there with potentially the top end of other players' capabilities. He was a much more consistent player. But him and Chera, who's looked really good, and um, even Crowden, who's been coming in and made a difference. And there's been a couple of the other players. Scott Jones is, I think, surprised a bit earlier than we would have thought. So they they do generally do well when they go to the draft table. Yeah, absolutely. They've got a, they've got a really good um, draft history. Um, they've been able to pluck quite a few players at picks where other other teams probably aren't looking at their players um, I think yeah like last year you, you spoke about it I mean I think you and I both uh, felt pretty strongly that, that Jaden Stephenson was the or Stevenson was the, the number two yeah um, now obviously there were some hard issues there that, that probably caused teams to um, back away a little bit and, and that's okay um but, you know, it's a bit like, you know, uh, Selwood's shoulders or, no, Judge's shoulders, Selwood's knee or whatever it was. Like, you know, th- there are sometimes you feel like recruitment teams can talk themselves out of players because of, you know, an issue. Now, obviously, a heart issue is quite serious. Um, but, you know, he's been apparently living with it, with it his whole life. So, But Brayshaw, in terms of, like, future leadership, um, by all accounts... He's an impeccable character, like all the Brayshaw boys. He, he's really got that that really forward leadership style that he he wants to, you know, have that pressure on his shoulders, and that's how he carries through. So, you know, for future leadership of the team, um, in conjunction with guys like Fife and Neil as they go forward into the future, like he, I can see him becoming a really important cog of their leadership group. Um, Adam Chera, uh, I wasn't the biggest fan last year, um, as you know. I don't, I don't think I don't think many people were the biggest fan of him last year, but he definitely a surprise. Oh yeah, he's he's played so well and and justified you know why these guys are professional recruiters and and we're not at the moment. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, no. but yeah, like Crowd, Crowden's a great pickup. Like we watched him in the champs, and and he's just kind of that guy who's going to come in and perform at a level. He's he was physically ready, big big strong kid, reasonable reasonable left foot, but very one sided player. Um, and then they drafted the two ruckmen, Lloyd Meek and Scott Jones, at sixty nine and seventy five, and. Scott Jones has looked fantastic. So, you know, like, they're doing... They, they're kind of uh, doing the philosophy we always talk about, which is, you know, like, uh, at your later picks, you know, take take the speculative, um, like, forwards and ruckmen and that, um, which is what they did. And, you know, that's kind of built them a fairly strong um, draft, like a very strong, tall group. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, like, their recruiting is pretty damn good. Yeah, no, I agree. And one of the things I just will say then as well is that in the in the middle, um, so rucks, midfielders, everything, they've got really good leadership for all of these young rucks and midfielders that they're drafting. Sandilands is the perfect ruck coach for yeah, Darcy and Jones and Meek and Apeness, um to a lesser extent, but he's a fantastic ruck coach for them and 
having Fife and Neil in the middle to teach all of the young midfielders that they're bringing in. And not only Fife and Neil, but they've also got Hill, like when they draft an outside midfielder. They've got really a elite players that would be great to be able to teach all of those people through the middle. I still think that's probably what they're missing in the forward line as well, is that they don't even have a senior experienced forward like what Pavlich was to them to teach any of these young forwards that they might go and draft. So I think that they could probably address that in, in multiple ways. Yeah, yeah, I do too. But I guess we'll talk about that a bit later. Just looking at, I guess, their key players now, so kind of who leads the side. And um, they're in terms of a list profile, they're a very interesting list because, like you said, they've come out of a out of a challenging for a premiership. So they've got a lot of high-end talent um, that's pushing over that kind of uh, 26, 27-year-old area like uh, there's got quite a few 30 year olds and stuff but even when you look at their key players now it's only really Michael Walters and Aaron Sanderlands who are above 28 in that over 28s category you know Nathan Fife, Lockie Neal, Brad Hill these guys are are all under 28 years old and all going to be there in three years time which is what you're saying with that leadership style and they've also managed to you know like uh, I don't know your thoughts, but I reckon Nathan Wilson's one of the best pickups they've had. Like he's a he, I love him. He's just such a a solid player. And now he's not at GWS. We don't hear as much about him over there in Perth um, as we we did when he was at GWS. But he's he's just a fantastically reliable um, backman. Like he just does his job every week. No fuss. Doesn't make a hell of a lot of mistakes. You know, like that. That's been a fantastic recruit for them. Yeah, and like that's the thing. So we'll probably talk about um, the fact that in this year they don't have a second, third, or fourth round draft pick, which means that their draft hand is very front heavy. Um, but they, I mean, they've got good exchange for those players. They've they took the the gamble last year. Um, they took the the number two pick from Gold Coast rather than you know their this year's first round pick, um, which might have been on the table. Um, so they made they made the decisions to load up last year, which was great. Um, but then obviously when you trade trade your future you, you gotta you know, either you gotta find a way back in or you accept it and, and move on to next year kind of thing. I guess looking at the age profile I just mentioned before, it, like I said, they're a very interesting interesting side. They've got um, you know, pretty much 80, 85% of their list games is all tied up in players over 25 years old, which is not as bad as a, as a team like Essendon or anything. But where they're kind of unique is when you go into that further, they've got almost 50% of their games in guys above 28 years old. And a lot of them are actually over 30 um, now, we know they're probably, and we'll speak about this in the off-contract section, they're going to move quite a few of these guys on as they regenerate their list. But if you look at their breakdown, they've got 4% in under-21s, 11% in 21 to 24, uh, 37 in 25 to 28, and 48% in the in the um, above-28 bracket. Um, so a bit like, I guess, the concern that I've got is they've got to really manage a bit like West Coast how they retire or delist and let these players go otherwise they'll end up in the um, well I've dubbed it the St Kilda trap 
<laughs> um, of of basically where you you release your experience, um, and it comes at a detriment to your to your side now, and it's because you overrate where your list is really at and the contribution of these older players. So, like looking at the older players, you've got Sandilands, Johnson, Mundy, Pierce, Ballantyne, Spur, and Stephen Hill, who's in, who's only 20, 28, 29. So, Steve Hill's probably not so much a part of what I'm talking about. The others, I think, are all over thirty. But they're, de- you know, we'll speak about this bit in a bit. But you know, probably Johnson and and Pierce are definitely moving on. I think Ross Lyon's spoken about that. So what that means is to me is they have to retain Sanderlands, they have to retain Mundy, they have to retain Ballantyne, you know, three of the six over thirty players, because if they let if they let all six go, you know, you're looking at almost fifty percent of your games being released. Yeah, and I think they've made some moves in the last few weeks to, to sort of shore that up. I think that Sanderlands has signed on for another year and Mundy has signed on for another year. Um so I think that they can recognize that it's going to be important to maintain that senior depth and I completely agree with you that without it it, it drops away really quickly um, especially while you've got all these players developing you need to have that senior experience around while these players are developing and um, I'll just say one more thing before we jump into the the contracts which is I know we've sort of mentioned that they have a, a lack of that key position depth but it's a interesting lack because Last year they delisted Sam Collins, who I think to everyone in the outside world was thinking, well, why Sam Collins? Like, Sam Collins looked better than Hamling and Pierce when he was playing um, and has been come back to the VFL and dominated and probably will get another opportunity if it's not a discipline thing that he was let go for. Um, and I, I just think that they, um, yeah, it's something that they really need to be aware of going into this off-season period. Yeah, so they've got guys like Tabner on the list who who they've got to retain. Um, unfortunately, they might have to hold on to them for two or three more years while they develop um, potentially a, a young key forward, or if they can get in a key forward from another club, which we'll speak about later. That that's obviously going to go a long way to pushing them into competing now. Um, I did notice that they've got uh, Hugh Dixon, I think it is, who's a you know um, 18, 19 year old key forward. Um, I'm not really sure much about him, but you know it'd be interesting. You know potentially, um, I think yeah, pick 44 last year, so you know he can he might be someone they're putting the time to develop. Uh, I don't know what his performance like's been in the waffle yet, but yeah, like they've they've really got to start. Um, you know really rolling the dice on key forwards and stuff and the the unfortunate thing for them is like there's a couple um in this year's draft but yeah they're they've really limited with what they can do and hope that one slips yeah they're on the fringe of that and, and we can go into the picks a bit later but we'll just jump into the off contract players now so um Ma- michael johnson um i think you mentioned that he's probably going to be this, this will be his last year yeah, yeah, I think Ross Lyon said something at a press conference about a month ago or something, and, and I mean, it got blown out of proportion as always, um, uh, but I, pretty much, I think that he pretty much said that uh, Michael Johnson and, and Daniel Pierce, um, who's also on our list of, to discuss, they're, they're both probably um, going to be exited, um, so uh, yeah, that's, 
yeah, it is what it is. And I don't disagree with that. Johnson's come back in and filled a hole while they had um, an injury down back. Um, who was that to? They had, oh, I can't remember, maybe Hamling or something. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's, been a, he's been a seven of the club. He's done well, and it's time for him to move on. Yep. Um, Hayden Ballantyne, what do you do with him? Um, I've got him keep for one year, and I think there was also an article yesterday or something saying that he's in negotiations with the club for another deal. So, um, like I was saying, it's about carefully managing your experience, and when you look at the the six guys they've got over um, over 30, which is Sandilands, Johnson, Mundy, Pierce, Ballantyne and Spur. Um, you probably can't afford to exit um, more than three of them uh, given the experience that these guys have got. Like, So I guess um, I'd keep him. He's 166 games. Um, he still performs at an AFL level. So um, yeah, I've got to keep him. How about you? I, I, I don't know. I think... I would probably delist him just because I think that his this is similar to obviously he's a much better and more experienced player than Jack Loney, but it's pretty similar to Loney where and even Green from um, Green from Essendon that they the things that made them good are sort of fading um, their speed and intensity that he went about it um, his niggliness everything that made him the player that he was doesn't seem to be there at the same level anymore. And I think that they would get more out of uh, playing some of these guys that are, are rookies um, or, or fringe players that have been play- coming into their forward line and trying to really offer some pressure and something that um, I don't think Ballantyne can offer anymore. So I, I might delist him. I don't, I don't think he offers as much from a leadership perspective as uh, some of the others. So for me, he would move on. Yeah, I guess we were saying the same thing Um really like with Ballantyne like there's a you know we, we're both kind of looking at it in a very similar fashion um, I guess though for me they've got six guys over over the age of 30 um, and Lee Spurs uh, retired so if you're exiting four of them that's you know that's almost 800 games out of 1300 that's going out the door um, whereas if you retain Ballantyne for a year and even if he only plays 10 games next year um, he's still providing good enough depth. He's he's still an AFL player in my eyes. Yes, his his skills are fading, but at the same time, you know, I think for balancing the list profile and ensuring they retain a little bit of experience, um, with Sandilands potentially only really having one more year left in him, um, you know, I think it'd be good to hold on to Ballantyne, and it reduces that experience going out the door back down to about 600 games overall. So. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I probably agree with what you're saying. Um, uh, the next person on our list is Cam Sutcliffe. Um, I, I'll, sorry, I just want to go first on this one because the other player that's also out of contract is Tom Sheridan. And I see that Sutcliffe and Sheridan are both pretty similar, both been in the system for seven years, both that half-backy type that were in and out of the side around the end of their premiership years. And I think you can probably, you can maybe keep them both, but I'd probably only keep one of them, um, and I'm not sure which one I would keep. I, I've I've always probably been more of a Sutcliffe fan myself, um, and I know that Sheridan dropped those marks um, that that lost them the game to get into the grand final. Um, so uh, I think I think probably um, one of them has to go. I'm not sure which one. Who do you think? 
Yeah, I've got Sutcliffe down as a list and Sheridan as a keep. Um, I guess more based on um, what you're seeing in terms of playing time this year. Um, I think uh, Sheridan, from memories, got a bit more game time. So uh, I'm kind of looking at it from a sense that, you know, uh, Ross Lyon's potentially going to be rewarding the, the player probably for the future, especially with Frio in that rebuilding phase. Yeah. So I guess that's kind of what's influenced whether you delist or keep for me. But I've got Sutcliffe down as a as a delist and and Sheridan as a keep. But it could be the other way around, and I don't think it would really matter which way it was because yeah, like you said, they're pretty. They seem to be pretty interchangeable. Those two. So. Yep. Um. Uh. Daniel Pierce. I think that you mentioned him with Michael Johnson is moving out. Yep. Um. Yep. Brady Gray. I, I, yeah, I'd probably move him on. Yeah, look, he's he's been on the list now for five years. He's um, played what is that? Nineteen games in five years. Um, and he, yeah, he's just kind of one of those general forwards that they've got. Um, and they seem to have a, a fairly. Um, they've got eleven of them on their list, as we said before. So he's one of those ones you can let go. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. Um, Ethan Hughes, I reckon, is probably in that same bracket. He's not super high talent, and it's probably wouldn't hurt to let him move on. Yeah, yeah, he's one of those general defenders. I guess it probably comes into the the Sutcliffe Sheridan conversation um, with Hughes. I've got him down as a D list, um, but I could. Like we've got a lot of delistings, a lot of guys moving off the list, and obviously they need to have picks to bring these guys back in or, or recruit um, free agents to, to fill these spots. So I guess he might be one that they hold off until the last minute um, and see what they get. And then if they get something, then they delist him. If they don't get anything, they can re-sign him on a one-year deal. Um, yeah, so look, I, I think he's someone who will not be on the list in two years' time. Depending on how many spots they can fill at the draft and and in free agency and stuff, it will depend on whether he gets another year or not. Yeah. Okay. Um, the next one, oh, Harley Bernal. I think he's just signed a, another contract to stay for a year. Um, so that's that's good for them. And I think that he needs to start performing. I think everyone thinks he needs to start performing. Um, and then I'm going to get this last name wrong, Ryan. Uh, new horse or Nice, M- I think. Nice, yeah, something like that. Um, he's he's done pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Look, I'd, I'd promote him to the senior list um, and give him a one or two year deal. I think he's he's at the end of his rookie um, time, so he's done three years on the rookie list, I think. Yeah. So you've got to either promote or delist him, and and I think he's I think he's done enough to say he's worthy of a of a two year contract because um, he's. Yeah, I don't know. I've just uh, from what I've seen of him, I've never kind of sat back and gone, "Oh, he's no good" or anything. Like um, he's that kind of utility, hundred hundred eighty five, hundred eighty seven kind of centimetre utility player. Um, so I, look, I, I really, I don't mind him. So I reckon give him a yeah. two year deal. I, I think, I think two years is fair. Yeah. Um, everyone's favourite um, super coach donut two going two years back, Luke Dranatica. Um, for yeah, for me, I, I um I think they've got enough talls on the list. I would delist him and um, bring in some new rookies. 
Yeah, I guess um, I've got him either re-rookie for a year or delist, and the reason is I think that he, if, uh, and we'll get onto this when we talk about trades, I think potentially they've got trade value in their ruck stocks. So in an effort to get back into the draft this year, they might look to move on one of their rucks, especially if Sandlin stays on. Um, and if they do that, then I would probably hold him for a year while you, um, you know, look like look elsewhere for um, potentially another rookie ruck or something. Yeah. So yeah, he's he's one of those ones who's probably the the last jigsaw piece to to fit, um, or he gets thrown on the floor. So. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, I agree. Leave leave him uncontracted until after the draft. Um, Taylor. Duman, um, I'd probably give him another year on the rookie list. He's played a couple of games. Yep, same for me. Um, he's played yeah, about 10 games or something and hasn't done too bad. Um, hasn't set the world on fire, but he, he, yeah, like for, for a rookie list spot, he's probably worth holding on to. Yep. And last but not least is um, Stefan Gyro, who was drafted last year. And I would re-rookie him. Ooh, re-rookie. Hold on yeah, to the rookie list. I know he's played a couple of games, but I would I would keep him there. I think that you can. Um, I don't think that he'll be complaining, and I think that it gives you another chance to have a have a year's look at him before making a decision on how many years he gets. Yeah, um, I guess I guess the, the the only thing is with holding him on the rookie list is that um, like Josh Jenkins um, when he left Essendon, if they get a an offer of a senior list spot. Um, it's effectively works like a free agent, a restricted free agency. Like you can offer them a, a main list spot, or they can walk to that list spot. If that makes sense. So, yes. um, for me, I, I think he is a part of your future depth, um, and I think that he potentially could be um, in that kind of 18th player to 26th player on your list. So a guy who's going to play probably. 10, 10 to 12 games a season so I would be promoting him straight onto the list and giving him a two year deal I don't think it's going to cost you that much more than than re-rooking him like he'll be on a base level contract so it's not going to break the bank um, you've locked him in and and yeah like that, I guess that's just my thinking on it but yeah like you could easily re-rooking him yeah no, that's, that seems pretty fair um, and I guess we'll move into the, the trade and free agents now uh, trade and draft and free agents, um, and I'm going to go through their their draft picks first. We normally sort of cover that about halfway through, but we're going to go through it first just because it will inform a little bit about what they're going to have to do in the trade and free agency period. Um, so at the moment they hold pick six, which is their own, and then they don't hold any picks after that until the fifth round uh, because of trades made in the Wilson, Matera, and Crozier deals. So I think that. We need to keep that in mind when we're talking about trades, but obviously thinking about their key position forward depth and and potentially um, improving their depth across all lines on the ground and really key position forwards, backs, mids, they they probably just need some players. Yeah, yeah, and that's definitely um, definitely the the key theme of this whole podcast has been key forward depth and, and quality players. But yeah, they definitely lack um, in the midfield a bit as well. 
mean, they've got they've got some pretty good young kids, obviously, in Brayshaw and Chera, and that coming through. Crowden's also going to provide depth. Bailey Banfield's been pretty handy. Stefan Giro, they've, they've found some some good players um, in the last twelve months in the midfield, which probably means it might slip back in the. Um, in the priority for this period, but at the same time, I think they also need to keep an eye on it because in three or four years' time, when you're potentially starting to get back towards the, the finals and, and the top four kind of area, you're going to need to make sure that's really strong because we look at the, the top teams and all of them have good midfield depth. So yeah. it's, a, it's a key factor in success. Um, so for trade and free agency, free agency just really addressing the the kind of um, the midfield um, because there's not a lot of key, there's no key position forwards or key position backs really on the market so Mitch Wallace and Tom Libertore um, just that's that midfield depth that we spoke about George Hall and Smith's another one who could come in um, play that midfield forward role for them that's kind of the the three players that I that I saw yep yeah, what about you man well for me like, there's a couple of other players in the free agent space um, that I think would add value, and the guys like Ryan Schoenmakers and Jordan Roughhead, who might not have a whole lot of value to other clubs, but I think to Fremantle, who need to shore up that position of the ground, Jordan Roughhead will offer them some leadership while Sandilands moves on. He'll be able to play that chop-out ruck position and then also potentially play as a key forward or key back, um, definitely as a just a role player in the side. Ryan Schoenmakers is the same. I think that he's certainly good enough to be a key position forward or back in their side. And I think coming from the Hawthorne system, he'll also be a useful leader. And I think that it's about time for him to probably step up that area of his game. That's a, that's probably as far as free agents go. But the players that I would look for trade, if you're looking for value, I'd probably be going after McKernan from Essendon or Pedersen from Melbourne to offer that ruck forward um, depth. So someone that can play primarily as a key position forward, but also chop out in the ruck. And the other player, of course, is is Jesse Hogan. But I don't know um, whether Melbourne would think too kindly about letting him go. No, I don't think they would. I think that with the the two options, the first two options you mentioned are probably a, a, a very good um, value picks. So... Um, Cam Pedersen, uh, he hasn't re-signed. I think he's uncontracted still. Um, he would be a very good option if he's if he's willing to move the family as well. Like I know he's it's about thirty years old and and everything. And I do I believe he's kind of set up for post footy life because I think he thought he was going to get delisted last year. Yeah. Okay. Um, so it would really be a conversation about whether uh, and it's really down to his passion and desire to, to keep playing. Yeah. Um, as for Sean McKern or the smack, um, he, I believe, is about to sign a new deal at Essendon or may have already signed one, so okay. I don't see him really leaving. But if he was available, he is absolutely the kind of player that would really offer them um, some great value. Like, he would straight in into your forward. He would, you know, we've seen what he does at Essendon. Um, another player, I guess, from Essendon, that might be worth a look to re, re, to shore up that that defence is uh, Michael Hartley. Yep, Michael Hartley's a good option. Yeah, so... Um, and in the end, just touching on your free agents, I had a look at Schoenmakers, and I guess in my head, for some reason, I just can't see him leaving Hawthorne, but um, he actually is, is, a, is a great pick 
I think, because he really does fit. He'd instantly come in and, and replace Tabernacle for me. So, yeah, um, he would go into your forward line. He would be able to work with Cam McCarthy. Um, look, he may not. He may not set the world on fire. He might only kick thirty goals in a season, but hey, probably, it's better probably than more than anybody on. else in their team. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and sometimes when, especially when you're a developing side, that's what you need to think about is just who's in the park and Ryan Showmakers as a leader slash forward offers more than Taverner does, who Taverner's grown up there. Um, so potentially he's a few, still a future player and he might make it uh, all work. Showmakers just offers a bit more from that sort of leadership perspective. Yeah, and I guess I guess looking at your, you know, you spoke about trade target with obviously Jesse Hogan and I, I feel he's the big fish there. They're kind of always going to chase. Um, as a Melbourne supporter, I do hope they don't ever get him and if they do, it's going to cost them an arm, a leg, their future children and everything else in between. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I think Jesse's come out and said the longer he stays in Melbourne, the more comfortable he feels. So that, that's, I guess, a positive sign for, for me as a supporter. But, you know, they're going to keep trying and that's fine because they need to be trying to get the best people into their club. A few few other ones I thought that would improve their list, just looking through, um, trying to address that midfield um, and forward depth, I thought Darcy Moore would offer a lot to them. Um, they'd have to pay well overs for him, but I think he offers. He would come in and, and either back or forward would offer them what they better than what they've currently got. Dean Kent might be available for Melbourne. He would certainly add a bit of potency to their forward line. He kicks goals from Richmond. Reese Conker, uh, I reckon. I think he's still uncontracted. Last time I checked. I really do think he's someone they could um, potentially get out of Richmond, and um, I think he was just about best on ground, or one of the best on ground last night for Richmond, so he's certainly improved a lot from what he was um, a few years ago, which was a, a bit of a bust of a pick, and he's really come on well, and he's a West Australian as well, so I mean, if they could get a player like him back over there, and then I guess stretching that, there's a few other guys like... Stephen Coniglio, Sam Taylor, Rory Lobb, who are all West Australians, all of them address a certain part of the ground where the Dockers kind of lack. So there's certainly some players out there that they could be looking at, but as we said with their draft hand, they're really they're not really in a strong position to trade unless they go and sacrifice next year as well. Yeah, you're right, and, the, and that's where it gets hard, is that you can go, maybe we'll trade a second and third round pick from next year to get a second and third round pick from this year, but then you end up in the exact same position next year, um, where you're just sort of constantly losing out, and people will probably be less likely to want to trade out picks this year, so you probably slide um, some positionary um, draft slots, and there just sort of comes a point where you've either just got to suck it up, or you've, you've got to try to move out some players so potentially people like your yeah, Ed Langdon's or maybe even you know, Sean Darcy and try to try to shake a second pick out. But I, I don't know if that offers a whole lot of value to them. So I'd be interested to see how it all works. It might end up being a a shuffle of picks. So that, that that's something that they could be looking to do is turn that six into potentially Adelaide's twelve and nineteen. Mm-hmm. Something like something like that would be. I think overs on DVI points from Adelaide's perspective, but yeah. they would they would get into that six and seven slot where they'll be able to pounce on. I'd say at least Connor Rosie will probably be available at that stage, and maybe one of the others. I don't think Lukosha will be available, so you've got a chance that Rankin will be, but 
yeah, it's still a good position to be in. And potentially, if you really wanted six and seven for one in this year's draft, I think Carlton would have to look at it. Yeah, I think looking, I did the DVI before the podcast. I think it's 12 and 37 is roughly about right for pick seven um, based on what the Crows have. Um, and that's actually not a bad hand for Freo. Um, you know, pick 12, <clears throat> strengthen their midfield. You know, you're looking at um, Curtis Taylor type area for the picks um, at pick 12. And then a 37, you could potentially take a developing key forward, maybe like a Hugo Munn or something um, out at that pick. So, I mean... That, to me, isn't a bad option for them in terms of generating draft picks. You said the trade value, obviously, in Darcy and Langdon. I think Langdon might be worth almost an end of first rounder. Um, there's also, you know, could they get something for Tommy Sheridan um, rather than... Um, uh, what did I say? No, I kept him. So, yeah, like they might be able to get some value out of that utility halfback where they've got an oversupply. Um, and I know there's... And this is a bit a bit controversial because I think um, the player himself has come out and squashed the rumours but you know Chera is waiting till the end of the season to see if he signs a, a, an extension on his rookie deal so you know I know clubs just simply for the fact he hasn't signed will probably be asking the question um, and I think given he was a pick five last year he'd be certainly worth at least a pick five this year so um, that's, yeah. that's a a potential way for them to either go up the draft order or, um, yeah, get generate more picks. So that 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 trading is really important to them if they need if they want to get back into the other rounds, which we both feel they do need to do. And I guess we're looking at their draft pick as as it is. That I think the reason we're not too worried about them trading down uh, and potentially getting in multiple picks is that that six will likely slide to seven after. Gold Coast's priority. Six will slide to seven after the Gold Coast get the compensation pick in for Lynch. And at seven, if they're looking for a key position player, they're probably going to make a bid on Blakey, who will go as well, uh, which will slide them down to eight. And I think that they probably would think that at eight, they'll be able to get the player um, that they want, probably a similar player, a similar quality around um, 11, 12, 13, 14. So... I don't think that they should be too worried about sliding down, especially considering it seems like it would be a risk to wait on whether a king gets through to you in the draft because, uh, I mean, I know that it's live trading, so you can make the trade on the day, but it's just, I think that they definitely need a king, so they either need to trade out a player and their pick and try to move up or, um, yeah, or holds. Yeah, I guess I feel like with the live trading, I think... Uh, I mean, I really hope that Brad Lloyd moving on doesn't root, doesn't affect them too much going into the draft because I felt that like they would be a club that would be very big into the live trading. Um, I feel that they, you know, given, I mean, if I was in their shoes, I'd probably hold on to, and, and I came out of the draft and trade period with with pick six or seven, or I'd bid on Blakey, um, definitely make Sydney pay that price, and then with pick eight. If if it, if Ben King was still on the board, who's the likely one to to slide down, um, I would be taking him. If he if he wasn't on the board, then I'd be probably trying to work out a deal with Adelaide, um, and basically saying yeah, like 
um, we'll, we'll take Connor Rosie now or you can, it's up to you kind of thing, like depending yep. on how much Adelaide want him. Um, but yeah, so that that's kind of, I guess I'd if I was in their shoes, I'd, I'd wait with the live trading and try and see if they can snag one of the King brothers, otherwise push down and, and pick up a, a midfield. Like if you got a, if you got say that pick 12 and 37, you know, I mentioned, you know, you're, you're probably looking at the Curtis Taylor type area. Um, you know, that's even Ian Hill as a local boy. Um, yeah. If you wanted to try and jump early, Bailey Williams, but I, I think that's probably a bit it's too far. Little, probably a little bit too early, but I mean, I think if you're, the good thing about holding on to the, the pick until the night is that you can sort of dangle it a bit more, and as you said, say, we're going to take Rosie at this next pick, uh, unless you give us what, after some academy bidding, it'll probably end up being 14 and, and 20. Um, so you give us those two picks and we and and you can take Connor right now. Um, otherwise, he's, he's ours. And they should be happy if they get Connor Rosie because he's a gun. Um, and if they end up with picks 15 and 20 or something like that, then going for uh, Ian Hill or Sydney Stack and, and Bailey Williams seems like good good drafting for me. Um, and I think that Bailey, Bailey Williams has the talent um, to potentially go high, but I, I think that he's probably got a back end of the year to put together before that actually happens. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, you, what you've just said there is probably exactly how I would like to see them play it. Yeah. Um, and can we have some final words from you, mate? We're, we're at the end of the podcast. Yeah, it's gone quick. Um, I guess my final words with them, um, a few things. Uh, avoid the St Kilda trap um, of O-rating your list when the veterans are gone. So... Um, losing Johnson and Pierce and Spur retiring probably doesn't hurt you that much given they've not really played this season. But if they lost two of Sandy, Mundy and Ballantyne, it's probably too much experience gone. So that, that would really hurt. So avoid the St Kilda trap. Um, keep investing in your, in your, your youth. Um, you're trying to basically correct uh, or bring back the list profile towards a a regenerating one that'll push in two or three years' time. So so really keep investing in that youth. And, and Ross has done something that Ross hasn't done previously, which is really give some faith into some young guys. So um, keep going down that track. You're doing the right thing. Um, but probably the biggest thing for me is patience is the key. So uh, this list, a bit like the dogs, um, you can see the green shoots in the, in the future. Um, be patient. And that means be patient to get the right, genuine key forward. Like, stop getting stop gaps because they're not going to help you. You need a genuine key forward, a genuine target to take the pressure off Cam McCarthy. Be patient to make the right trade this year. And that might mean walking in with just pick six into the draft and then using live trading to your advantage. Or it might mean trading early, but make the right trade, and which they've been very good at as well. Um, and finally, be I guess to the fans of Freo, be patient as this list will transition into a finals team. Um, it's going to take probably two more years in my eyes if they make the right moves. So um, avoid St Kilda, keep investing in youth and be patient. Yeah, and I think that my final words will probably echo some of what you've just said there with be patient. I think that's a really important thing for any side that's around the bottom of the ladder to to consider um, even if it means that you finish fifth or you slide down a couple of positions next year, fifth bottom, I mean, um, don't don't really worry about that just yet. 
you, you've got Fife locked away in long-term deals and tr- keep trying to retain all of those elite players because those elite players are going to hold you in really good stead uh, when some of these younger players start reaching 22 years old and are really starting to make an impact. So just focus on retaining your guns and, and try to try to bring in maybe one more in the next um, in the next 12 months in free agency. I think that if they were able to, I don't think they'll be able to, but if they were able to try to get someone like Coniglio to come home, um, he'll be a free agent next year, then then they should really focus on that. Um, otherwise, just be patient. Take your picks to the draft and, and draft well. And uh, thank you again for listening, and you can sign up on the website. I know some good content went out in the in the last few days from, from the website, but you can sign up at listix.com um, and, and sign up for the extra bonus content we put out there. Uh, you can also check out this and plenty of other Listix uh, podcasts that are all housed on the site, and you can get in contact with us on Twitter at ListixAFL. And uh, we'll make sure that we, we cover some. So we've covered, I think, the bottom nine teams in the competition now and West Coast. So we're going to be starting to move our way through the, um, the top eight and as they sort of fall uh, coming towards finals. And I think we'll have a bit clearer idea after this weekend about which team might not make finals. And I'm looking forward to starting to cover some of those. So thank you, for, thank you again for listening and thank you for helping me out today, Sean. Yeah, thanks, John, and thanks, everyone, for listening. Um, I'm pretty excited about the, the teams we're probably going to start to cover now. So, yeah, should be some really good content coming out in the future. Definitely. Have a, have a great weekend, everyone, and we'll speak to you soon.